Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. What is nothing? Yeah, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. Thank you for downloading this episode. We made it. We made it, bros. We did it. We did Christmas. Oh, shit. We did Thanksgiving. We got through it. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that, recovering from the holidays. Um, the intro is Dan Pena. The, the, you know, show me your friends, I'll show your future. That's the, the, the billionaire, the $52 billion man, Dan Pena, who lives in a castle and uh, in England, is it? I forget. Anyways, show me your friends or show your future. And I asked him one time, I go, Dan, who are your friends? And he says, Dan, he goes, Christina, I'm an eagle and eagles fly alone. (laughs) I thought that was pretty great. Okay. Speaking of um, eagles flying around this country, I'm going, uh, I'm going to do some dates in 2018. I'm uh, getting my new hour together. Holy shit. Come see it. January 12th, Pasadena Ice House. I believe there's a, like literally a handful of tickets left. I think we might, we may add a second show. I'm not sure yet. Um, February 2nd and 3rd, Salt Lake City, Utah, Wise Guys Comedy Club. February 23rd, Calusa Casino in Calusa, California. One show, one night only. And then, uh, you know, that's it. Okay. Okay. March 30th and 31st, Portland, Oregon at the Helium Comedy Club. Excited to go back and do Portland again. Very good. Uh, so those dates are on ChristinaPOnline.com. Check out merch. I got, I got shirts, y'all, from the, from my Netflix hour. Uh, if you're a fan of that, I got, a, I got some shirts <laughs> referencing the jokes on that special. Um, yeah, that's deeprowpodcast.com. So you guys can find all the info about these episodes that you listen to in your ear holes. You can look at it with your eye holes. So let's go. Okay, let's get into it, bros. Uh, I'm going deep into 2008 today. I'm feeling like a little... I like this song. This is, this is a good one. Okay, here we go. Santo Gold, and then there was an actual jeweler who went by Santo Gold in New York City, and they sued her, and she had to change her professional name to Santi Gold. What a wonderful world we live in. Isn't that amazing that a, a small shopkeeper in New York City um, ha- you know, had to sue a, a girl who makes amazing music and just like fuck and just ruin her day, ruin her, her namesake. That's just, it's what a wonderful world. Okay. Hey, it's almost 2018, guys. And um, I, I, we did it. We got through Christmas. We got through Thanksgiving. And how did you do? How did you guys do? How was it? How did we assert our boundaries? 
this holiday season? Do we make a plan? Do we have strategies for how we're going to deal with those unpleasant folks in our families and our friends circles, whoever, those people that we are often obligated to spend time with uh, this time of year that we don't necessarily enjoy? Um, but all that stuff can be can be uh, mitigated, right? You can you can plan for for these encounters that are unpleasant. You can have exit strategies. You can have rules, boundaries, shit that you will not tolerate. And I am. Um, I, I feel like I did pretty well with mine. I had a few things that I, I simply, you know, told my husband, hey, if, if X, Y, Z goes down, I'm going upstairs. I'm, I'm disappearing. <laughs> and um, yeah, some of you might have uh, people in your life that you've had to put down the, the AA boundaries with, right? Going no contact with toxic family members, people who who constantly abuse you emotionally, spiritually, psychically, physically even. I hope that you had the strength to maintain those boundaries, especially around narcissists. All right. I was texting back and forth with a a, a friend of mine who um, was involved with a narcissist and I've done an entire episode on narcissism. I think I've done a couple in the vaults. Check it out. Try it out. Uh, and you know, you'd be surprised. There's a lot of these, these narcissists, uh, walking around these emotional vampires, these people who are very empty inside, unfortunately due to their own whatever. And, uh, they, they tend to just suck, 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 suck in everybody around them. And what they like to do around the holidays is what is actually called hoovering, right? The British, British slang term, British word, whatever for vacuuming just kind of throwing the net out there just kind of throwing it out there seeing who's going to respond who's going to take the bait and uh my mother who is now gone uh would do tactics like this right the uh the christmas card that would arrive like two weeks before the actual holiday just to see just to see if you'll take the bait and go wow what a what a thoughtful thing. Maybe she's different. Maybe my mother, who is a borderline personality disordered, who is clinically not well, maybe she's changed. Because that's the danger of that crap, right? Is that it ignites a false hope in you that the alcoholic, the narcissist, the person with the personality disorder, the, the person who's refused to take their meds, who's refused to get any sort of psychological help, has somehow miraculously changed and become the parent, the friend, the lover, the whomever that you've always wanted because they sent you something good. Maybe they gave you a present. Maybe they, maybe they showed up once and acted remotely normal. And then it ignites that fake false hope in you. And then you take the goddamn bait, the hoovering, right? The hoovering is what they call it when narcissists put the feelers out there. Because what happens is they don't get attention from uh, their sources, right? Because narcissists need source supply people to suck, and then it becomes your turn because someone else is not paying attention to them, and uh, and that's when it happens. It happens around the holidays. That's I should have mentioned that before the holidays. Sorry, <laughs> I forgot this element. Um, but anyways, hey, there's still one more hurdle. We've got New Year's Eve, the the very inflated New Year's Eve, right? It's supposed to be the most awesome night of your life parties. And I remember in my twenties, even when I did go out for New Year's Eve, cause I fucking do not leave my house now. Cause that's the difference between your twenties and your forties, your twenties, you go, yeah, man, it's a world of possibilities. We're going to get ripped. We're going to party. We're going to burn this shit down. And then your forties, you go, I can't go out there. There's people burning things down. There's people driving drunk. They're going to hit me. They're going to ruin my life. I'm going to end up a paraplegic and I can't take care of my kids. And you stay home and you watch whatever crummy thing um, Ryan Seacrest is doing that night and you go to sleep by 1030 because that's what you do when you're an adult. But um, but it never lived up to its promise, New Year's Eve. That's That was another one, right? I would just end up drunk and cold uh, in San Francisco trying to hail a cab at two in the morning when all the cabs were taken. This is long before Uber kiddos, come on. And... You know, I tried to pee in a gutter somewhere, and of course, I my pants had dipped into the into the wash 
So now my pants are covered in filth and I smell like a sewer and I'm walking around San Francisco freezing because you're not going to, you're not going to bring your jacket, are you? Because then you got to check that in at the club and who's got $5 to check in a, a coat at a club and then you got to wait in line to get it back at the end of the night, get your life. Cause that's how you think when you're 20 years old. <laughs> so you're running around freezing your tits off, right? I've seen this. This is not just a San Francisco. This is every major city. I've seen it on any given Friday or Saturday night in like Washington, DC in January. Um, you know, there's a DC improv and I'll walk home from the gig and, and you'll just see gaggles of young girls shivering, shivering shoulders bare legs bare just so fucking cold they're just trying to get indoors as quickly as possible into the warmth Um, and all to save yourself from the hassle of carrying the jacket into the bar or into the dance club because god knows i mean i i tried it a few times what do you end up doing you throw your pile you, you shit in a pile in between all of you and you dance in a circle around it, right? At the club. That's silly if they don't have a coat check or you leave your coat somewhere in the club and then it gets stolen, right? So your options are few, but uh, New Year's Eve. Yeah. I'm trying to think back. Any outstanding ones? Mm, No, just drunk. Just a lot of vomiting, drunk. (laughs) Anyways, enjoy it. Uh, Create a plan. Have a good time. So I went on a vacation, which is why there was no episode last week. I sh- uh, so there, but you know, I'm making it up today. Come on, guys. We went to Hawaii uh, for a nice long break. Went to Maui. It was amazing. Uh, very necessary. Very necessary to unplug. I don't even like. I don't. I don't really do gigs in December, mostly because the clubs are just empty and it's depressing. But uh, I do like to take time down to reflect and to just be a human and to think about 2018, to think about the next year and and think about who I want to be and what I want to do. Um, and, uh, and how I'm going to do that. Right. And, and what's, what's going to happen? You know, I, (laughs) I I always am surprised at people who say things to me like, well, I, I just didn't know my life would end up this way. I, I don't know. I thought it was going to go here and then I'm over here. I just do. Who knows? Like these people that are just dumbfounded by the course their lives have taken. I'm like, who, who are these people who just have fly, flying by the seat of my pants? Life just happens to me. I don't happen to it. Like I, I'll tell you, like I may not have known that my life would happen exactly the details of it, but I, you better fucking believe that I had a plan. And some some kind of a, a strategy for my existence. I knew that I wanted to be what I wanted to do for a living, right? I knew I wanted a good marriage. I knew I wanted these things. Like, uh, God damn it. These folks that are, well, it just happened. Like, who knew? I, I knew. Because I've planned it. Because I sit here and I, I think about it. I think about the next year, the next five years. You know, and maybe that's me being hyper-responsible. That's what I am. I'm hyper-responsible, but... I believe in that. I believe in a vision. I believe in actively, uh, you know, I don't do vision boards or nothing like that. And some people do, and that really helps them. But I believe in the mind and I believe in knowing where you, where generally you want to be. Now, you don't know all the specifics. I don't know how I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, but I know that that's where I'm going to end up, right? That's all you got to do. That's all I'm saying, guys. I, I just feel like the, the drifters in the world, the people who life happens, happens to them and then they become victims, right? I love the show Below Deck. Okay, this is my favorite show. It's basically Downton Abbey on a boat, right? You got the people who are the crew, the people who work right behind the scenes, and then the rich folks who are on the yacht. A fucking great show on Bravo TV. So there's a girl on there, this cycle, or at least the cycle I'm watching, skinny blonde girl, and she's taking the job on the yacht. And she's left behind her child, her 10-year-old girl, for, you know, eight weeks on a yacht. Very rigorous, very difficult. And uh, I, I imagine, you know, almost impossible to do as a mother. I, it would really fucking freak me out. But anyways, so she's one of these people who life just kind of happens to her, right? Like, oh, my boss is so mean. And... Um, I can't seem to do anything right. Oh, blah, blah, blah. I put too much soap in the... 
no, actually, she wouldn't say it like that. There's too much soap in the the laundry machine. It overflowed. I I didn't mean. To, I didn't know. I didn't do that. Someone else did that. Like, there's a constant sense of like, eh, it's not my fault. I don't know. Things just happened to me. Like victim, victim, victim. And there, and it's a great. It's a great. I hope she. I hope you know she watches herself because it's mortifying when you see. Her. I've done it. I, this is why I know it, guys. Come on, I call it because I I done it. Um. There's a point in your life where you stop blaming other circumstances, right? Outside influences, your upbringing, your parents, whatever the fuck it is. And you start assuming responsibility and you start steering the ship, right? You're in charge of the ship, not everybody else. That's a big fucking mind bender, man. That's a big, uh, such a, God damn. That's a big one. Anyways, uh, you're steering the ship. Always remember that. You may not know where you're going all the time, but you do have choice. You have choice. I was watching Glow on Netflix. And by the way, Mark Marin is a really good actor. I had no idea. I mean, I've seen Marin, but I'm really impressed with him. I'm going to send him a text and let him know. But uh, there's a great scene in Glow I was watching where these two women are fighting. Uh, one girl has slept with the other woman's husband. And... And the girl that slept with the husband goes, well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it just happened. Oh, which is like my, I hate that fucking, I hate that so much, right? And the other the girl who, whose husband was slept with says to her, you're an actress. You know better than that. You've taken scene study classes and you know that everything is about choice. <sighs> right? And it, that blew my mind because... I always hate it when people tell stories and they're like, I don't know. It just kind of happened. Like you, you know how stuff happens, guys. I don't know. I just got pregnant. It just kind of happened. No, no, you know how people get pregnant. (laughs) I hope you know how people get pregnant. I just happened. I just, I, I just slept with him. I just had, like, what are you talking about? So uh, anyways, there's always choice. There's always choice. And I know in some situations it feels so helpless and you feel like you're trapped. And in some cases you have limited choices, but there is always choice. And I think a, a lot of times in my past, I've been stuck by that feeling of like, oh, there's no way out. I have no, I have no choice. Yeah, you do. You, there's always, there's always a choice. I mean, I'd be good ones, but... <laughs> You can choose not to self-sabotage. That's a fucking biggie too, huh? You can choose not to ruin it, not to blow it up. That's another one. I've seen that a lot lately. People who just blow it up. They do things unconsciously to blow it up because their core value, their core belief is they're not good enough. They don't deserve it. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve it. Those are the two most evil things you can tell yourself, right? (sighs) So also, I watched that movie, Orange County. It's an old movie. It's from like 2002. And it's so funny to watch a movie from 2002. Um, Because stylistically, you're like, God, did we all dress that stupidly back then? It wasn't that long ago. But I feel like we were all wearing glitter glitter crop tops and um, flip flops with really thick soles. Is that what we were all doing? And putting like stupid barrettes in our hair. I, I, I guess I was. I, I know. I think I was. I think I was. Yeah. There's an old episode of Road Rules. I think I was doing that. But, you, you know. Uh, but anyway, great, great. It was actually a very funny movie. I laughed. I've never seen it before. I watched it at, uh, at the hotel. And um, Tom Hanks' son is in there who's just adorable and funny and cute. But um, uh, it had the storyline that just makes my butthole pucker uh, I really can't stand it when they do the storyline of the um, the dysfunctional family who somehow has each other's backs, and um, you know, like the so in this movie, he's his mother's an alcoholic narcissist who sabotages him constantly throughout the whole movie. He wants to get into Harvard, that's the thing, and he gets rejected through some series of stupidity of whatever. But he tries to he tries to get back in. And um, the mother sabotages him. The father is also a workaholic who ignores them, who has a new family. His brother's a junkie. And, you know, the, I think the wish of people who have these people in their family 
is that somehow underneath it all, they're just good people who want to help each other out. And that I don't know where this comes from. And I imagine, I think this is the premise of Shameless, although I've only ever seen like one, like half an episode. So I, I'm probably talking on a turn here, but um, which I hear is a very funny show, but the, the, the absolute um, infantile wish that these severely, severely troubled personality disordered, addicted humans that you're related to somehow at the end of the day, have your back and you're all one big dysfunctional yet still kind of not really happy, but you're all together in it and you have to stick together in it. And, um, at the end of the day, they're just good people who are on your side, right? That's the, the wish, like the Jack Black character, his brother is a junkie and sabotages him constantly as well. But you're supposed at the end of the movie, here's what's disappointing. So he does get into Harvard, right? And, and wouldn't you know it, instead of going to Harvard, he chooses to stay in his hometown of Orange County amongst his junky, shitty, unsupportive, sabotaging family so that he can write about it, which I get as a creative person, like, okay, maybe that's where you're going to get your stories from. But I, <laughs> I did find myself being like, no, no, get out. Right. Get out. Like that movie, get out. They're going to take your brain. They're going to make you into a zombie. <laughs> the older people are going to suck your vitality from you and use you. And I, I wasn't thrilled with the ending. Cause I'm like, yeah, but you can write stories about your hometown from fucking Harvard <laughs> where you can meet high caliber people who want to achieve better things than the shitty family you come from. There's nothing wrong with wanting to improve your station in life, folks. There's nothing wrong, (laughs) nothing wrong with wanting to meet high caliber, high quality people, right? Show me your friends. We'll show you your future. There's nothing wrong with wanting to fucking befriend Harvard people. It was like such a stupid message of like, Hey, just uh, throw that great opportunity away to stay in the same fucking place you were. And to to be with these junkies is terrible. And of course, at the end of the movie, there's always this arc in, in these um, wish, wishful thinking movies of alcoholics or, or, or personality disordered folks that they somehow see the light. And by the end of the movie, um, you know, the mother is no longer a sabotaging alcoholic. Mommy and daddy get back together again. You know, so there's some great enlightenment that occurs, which is, has to happen in Hollywood movies, right? but it's really not really not what happens. Now, here's what really here's what really happens, I think, in real life, is that the central character, the Colin Hanks character, would have an epiphany that, yes, I am from these people, but I am not of these people. Uh, I'm lucky enough that I'm healthy, I'm not addicted, I'm not screwed up that bad, that I can go on with my life and let them do their thing, and I do my thing, and I have no you know, resentment. I have no animosity. I'm at peace with my background and I'm going to go forward and I will do great things away from these motherfuckers. (laughs) I am not codependent. I'm not worried about other people's thoughts, feelings. What are they doing? Do I have to stay here and support mom and her disease? Do I have to stay here and support my, my junkie brother, blah, blah, blah. Or should I go on with my life and worry about me and my happiness and my fulfilling my dreams? which is the core of everybody's real happiness. But no, he stays behind, which is fucking unbelievable. Such a weird ending. <laughs> so that, that was, those are my big epiphanies um, from my vacay. And there you go. Okay. I wanted to read this email I got in. Oh, wait, we have to do the intro for emails. I always forget this. <sighs> all right, here we go. You want to know why you're all fucked up? Okay, this is the segment where I take listener emails, guys. This is from Tyler. Okay, he starts listening to my show. He says, uh, your talk on affirmation on self-value was really helpful for me. I'm an accountant and I love it, but sometimes I feel like I'm weak and not worth anything. I feel this way all the time and I don't know if it's because of my harsh low income upbringing, but damn, does it feel good for someone to be someone to be positioned out think oh, out think your station in life. That's a great quote you said, and it set off something in me. Anyway, I just want to let you know 
uh, my thoughts. I don't know how much it matters. I appreciate your show. Well, thank you very much for writing that to me. I appreciate it that you appreciate it. And I think if anything, um, if anything, I th- I want to tell people that I do think that's really, really important is that no matter where the fuck you come from, whatever crappy family you came from, whatever shell you're in um, on this earth, it does not dictate who you will become. And I, it just kills me that people's central thought, people's central core belief is that I am not good enough. And I'm going to read you this other one that kind of ties into this. And I got a lot of uh, love emails this time around. This time of year, I think people are really fretting over their relationships romantically. Okay, so I wanted to read that one. This ties into this one. This is from uh, D. She writes, I've been seeing my boyfriend now for five months, but have been close friends now for over a year. We had a strong connection from the beginning. We share the same sense of humor and make each other laugh daily. He showers me in his disgusting fart juice and I do the same as well. Great. I can honestly say at 27, I have never felt like this with any past relationships. And then all the worry and anxiety creeps in. And I notice the same thing I do in every relationship. I feel as though I'm not good enough for this person now. He has a college degree and is on his way to a special education teacher, to becoming a special education teacher. He is intellectually way superior than I am. For real, bro. He reads novels and I have a hard enough time finishing all my self-help books. I work in a factory and I'm going to school for massage therapy. I cannot get the thought out of my head that he will someday realize he can find someone with a better career and who likes the same thing he does. He is seven years older than me and has a seven-year-old daughter. His daughter has grown very close to me and now tells me she loves me. I fear that I may lose all of this, these two people I've grown to love so much. How do I stop myself from self-sabotaging this wonderful relationship I have and overcome these thoughts of not being good enough for him? Trying to get my life to get your life. By the way, Tamar Braxton is breaking up with her husband. (laughs) Okay. Apparently he was abusive, uh, abusive towards her. So... This is what I'm talking about, um, D. This is the this is the core belief stuff, right? This is what we were just talking about. And I was talking to a friend who is a therapist and cognitive behavioral therapist. And I believe she told me that there are two thoughts that people have, two two core beliefs that screw them up, right? One is I can't do this, not capable, and two, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough and I'm not capable of doing this. And she told me that and I was like, well, yeah, that's true. And whenever I'm in that, whenever I'm in anxiety and fear, it's because on some level I'm thinking, I, I don't know if I can do this. I'm not good enough for this. I'm not good enough. And I think the fear of not being good enough is like central to the human, one of the, one of the horrible things of the human condition the fear that we are not good enough. Now, where does that one come from? Yeah, it's a mommy daddy thing. Absolutely. It's a it's a whatever, it's an upbringing thing. Sure, yeah, whatever. Uh, but let's let's talk about today. So you're 27, you've got this dude, he's got the kid, great. You don't want to sabotage it. But you know you are, which is interesting. You know that you're um you know that you are right now cuz you have the worry and the anxiety and you're worried you're not good enough. Not good enough. Now, what does this guy do? He's going to be a special ed teacher and he reads books. He reads novels. So what? Can I tell you something? I I know lots of people that read hard books and they're the fucking dumbest humans on the planet when it comes to relationships, when it comes to uh, everyday stuff. It doesn't mean that you're better than anybody because you can read a novel. Are you kidding? I remember when I studied at Oxford in the 90s and I thought to myself, I'm going to meet these wonderful people and they're, oh my God, they're so much smarter than me and everybody's going to be so interesting and we're going to sit around and we're going to talk about Keats and Yates and we're all going to sit in a boat and and, and, and we're going to, uh, we're going to go punting down the river and we're all going to, you know, talk about poetry and, and, and it's going to just be so much. And I have to tell you that it was the most fucking boring group of duds. And everybody was really insecure. 
And then the irony was that the smarter the people that I, I got to know, I was acquainted with, they were actually so insecure socially and so awkward socially that they were no fun to hang out with. Seriously, no fun. Like, and all I wanted was to talk about nerd stuff. And I remember it, they couldn't, it, people were so clinging to the identity of being intelligent, right? That nobody would say, people were afraid to, um, you know, to sound stupid, myself included. So I, I'm not excluding myself from this group of people. And it came to, I came to the epiphany many years ago that just because these people can read stuff that you don't get. And by the way, I don't, I believe that anybody can learn anything. I really do. If you sit down and you apply yourself, it's not that this stuff is impossible. It's that it's impossible to you right now. And that if you sat down with somebody and they just explained the shit to you, you'd get it. I really do believe that. It's <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, the point is how do you stop the core belief that you're not good enough? Cause here's what's going to happen. Okay. If you don't nip this in the bud right now, which I'm glad you are doing, you will create a situation in which you do sabotage this. You will bring about the situation where this man will look at you and go, you know what? You're not good enough because you're going to say things to him. You're going to reinforce this negative belief. You're going to go, yeah, I'm just not as smart, but I don't want to hang out with you and your friends because you guys are so smart and I'm so dumb. Or, you know, you're going to make offhand comments like, yeah, but I don't read those. Just me and my dumb massage therapy school people. You might unconsciously act in ways that are going to make you appear to be whatever lesser than, and he's going to pick up on that because everybody knows everything unconsciously, right? And you might bring about the exact thing you're terrified of happening. Now, that's a phenomenon that occurs from what I've learned (laughs) all the time. It's that unconscious wish fulfillment. It's why people get into bad relationships, bad jobs, bad anything, because your core belief is that I'm a piece of shit and I don't deserve anything better. Now, it's a fascinating thing that Louise Elhay, my favorite self-help guru, would always say is that when you look around at the people you associate with, they're mirrors of you, mirrors of where you are in your consciousness. So if you're hanging out with people that are you know, drug addicted, whatever, have horrible habits or lazy, undisciplined, um, self-loathing, blah, 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 beep, boop, boop. It's because on some level you identify with those folks. You identify with that level of being, that frequency of being, right? And what happens is when you clean up your act, your mental act, your act in general, those folks don't look very attractive to you. It doesn't sound appealing to go out and, you know, get drunk with X, Y, and Z and do the same shit you always did. Because it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit who you are because on the inside you've tuned your frequency to be a lot higher. You're operating at a higher mind, man. So how are you going to do this? Well, hey, what makes you think that he doesn't enjoy you? Let's start there. Um, he has a college degree. Big fucking deal. Okay. This is about you. This isn't about him. Is you feeling inferior because you didn't go to college or you didn't you don't read the same books that he does? A stop comparing yourself to him. But that number one, that is poison for any relationship. Um, this comparing, right? Well, he does this, I don't do that, I didn't eat any nerdy. Uh that that is death to any relationship. Death to your to your relationship with you, by the way. I would say stop comparing yourself to anybody. Because that's, that's the, that's, I mean, unless you look at somebody and you go, oh, I'd like to have that. When you feel envy, I like to have that. It means you, that you should go for it. But, but generally, keeping score and <laughs> um, that's just the, that's kryptonite to, um, to anybody. And why wouldn't he like you? Maybe he doesn't want to hang out with some girl who's studying the same stuff he is. Maybe he likes the fact that you're a touchy-feely, I'm assuming you are, because you're going to be a massage therapist, and they're generally wonderful, sensitive, um, caring, empathetic people, at least the ones I go to, are like the sweetest humans on the planet, because that's a very intuitive job to be in. You've got to read people. You've got to be sensitive to other people. And maybe he likes that about you. Have you thought about that? then maybe you have something to offer him that he doesn't have inside of him. So maybe he might be academic, but maybe he's not uh, touchy-feely. Maybe you provide something that he really likes. 
So your thing is like, how could he possibly like me because I don't have the same credentials as he does, which is just lunacy. Uh, Especially you've been together for uh, how long? I don't know how long. Sorry that you you say, but five months. Okay. So you're still in the beginning. You're still getting to know each other. You've been friends for a year. So, you know, he knows who you are. So stop telling yourself this shit. Why don't you instead, instead of worrying about him leaving, him going, him realizing what a fraud you are, how not smart you are, let's turn the narrative around in your brain. How about that? How about think of all the wonderful things you provide, right? All the things that you do for him, uh, that you might provide for him and his daughter that he can't provide for himself, you know? Um, And hey, by the way, it's normal sometimes to worry like, oh my God, I can't, I can't believe this guy is with me. Am I a fucking piece of shit? (laughs) But then you think about all the ways in which you care for each other. Think about all the wonderful things you do for him, all the little things you do to reinforce your love for him. And I think that's going to help, right? What do you do for him? I'm talking about the tangibles, right? There's in our household, there's a few things I will always do for my husband. And it's a sign that I love him. And he knows that right in the morning we wake up, I make the coffee. That's just my job. I make him coffee and I hand him his cup every morning. And he knows that's what I do to show him I love him. I think he knows. Of course he knows. Little things like that, little sweet gestures, I believe so much, and especially in a long-term relationship. I think when you stop doing that stuff, that's when you know it's like, <laughs> that's when you know Resentment City is in town and you fucking hate each other. I see, I saw a lot of those couples on vacation. The couples who just hate each other, hate, loathe, and have so much fun shitting on each other. Well, you didn't pack the, I know you didn't pack the diapers. I saw it because it's like, why don't we go back in? No, you go back in. You go back in. Oh, oh. <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you turning on each other? Stop cannibalizing each other. Especially when there's children involved. It's you against the kid, man. Us versus them. Don't turn on each other. God damn it. So yeah, just flip the narrative. It's really quite that simple. Instead of going into worry and anxiety, think, what am I really great at? What could he be attracted to in me? And how can I be a better girlfriend, spouse, friend, lover, whatever? What can I provide? How can I be of service? I was listening to Jimmy Iovine on Howard Stern talk about being a music manager or producer, sorry. And, uh, and he kept saying, how can I be of service? That's the number one mantra. How can I be of service? How can I be of service, of service? And I found in my relationships, whenever I go into something with being of service. How can I, how can I make this, your day better? It's all about me, 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 my neuroses, my anxieties, my worries, my concerns, maybe me, 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 me. It tends to lift that stuff, right? Because if you're not, what is it? Freud said that intelligence will, will be served in the whatever, fostering of neuroses and the <laughs> meaning if you're smart and you're thinking these thoughts, you're going to eat yourself with them. You're going to, you're going to turn it on yourself and you're going to you're going to be even more neurotic. So that's why the Buddhists and everybody, the Christians, they tell you to, to serve others. Get out of your head. Think about what you're going to do this weekend with this guy and his kid. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about you. Me, me, me. Think about them. What can I do? What, how am I going to make this a good time for people? I, I, it's like a magic potion. I, I don't know why. But it really works like magic when you stop thinking about you and how shitty you are. Because, <laughs> I, you know, honestly, that stuff does go away with therapy. And it takes a while, but you can rewire that wiring that tells you that you're a bad person, you're, you're stupid, you're not smart enough, blah, 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 blah. And by the way, those things did not come from you, my love. Did you know that? That's not from you. Those are messages you receive from grown-ups, maybe sometimes not well-meaning, sometimes well-meaning. Those are not in you naturally is what I'm trying to say. Those are from other people, dude. So don't fucking listen to it. Try to enjoy the ride. And by the way, a lot of us want to hold on to the relationships you grasp, right? You grasp, please don't go, don't leave me, I can't. And then you're grasping and the grasping for anything is when you just, oh, that's when you lose it. 
right? There's a Zen to shit, to care and to not care at the same time. It's, that's like the balance. And you know how you do that? Inward. You go in to go out. You go in, yes, meaning you work on your happiness, right? What's the happiness, the core inside of me? You take care of yourself. You address these issues of anxiety, blah, 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 and you shine. You're a light. You're a beacon. There you go. All right. I wanted to get, oh, my God, I, got, I was sent this. Uh, okay, hold on, hold on. So I've been getting a lot of emails about... Um, <laughs> about relationships and uh, so-and-so wants to be in an open relationship. So-and-so wants to give us a break and maybe we're going to move to a different part of the world and be apart for a while. And should I, should we do long distance or should I let this person go and should we date other people? And what do I do? Do I, you know, do I let this, I don't want to let this person go, but they want to go and this is the thing. And here's the blah, 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 blah. And I get these wonderful heartfelt emails from you guys that are like, uh, you, you know, fucking uh, romantic novels, dramas, sagas. <laughs> and I know, cause I've been there. Hey, these, these, these fucking, uh, you know, Iliad, the, the, the trilogies of volumes of I'm 20 something and I don't know because she's like this and I'm like that and I don't got this boyfriend and then there's this girlfriend and then there's a, here's the thing and the but I love her and I love him but we're meant to be we've been friends and the well let me tell you something I've been reading your emails and I just stumbled across this thing from Medea and yes, I love fucking Medea movies. I love them. I can't, I, I don't know what it is, man. I love Tyler Perry. I, I'm, I'm so inspired by him. I love the fact that this guy came from zero, from nothing, and was writing these plays, these spiritual plays. I believe he calls it on the Chitlin circuit. And he would do these plays and the audiences just loved his plays. And he did a deal with Lionsgate he said, give me $10 million and I'll make 10 movies, which is unheard of to make a movie for a million dollars, right? He does it. He does it and he's a huge success and Oprah Winfrey falls in love with him and you know the rest of the story because Tyler Perry's fantastic. But I've always loved this Medea character because she knows what she's talking about. So here's the thing, my little boo-boos about getting your life. I'm going to play you this clip and I forget how I stumbled upon it. Maybe somebody sent it to me. I don't fucking remember, but... Um, so there's this clip of Medea and she's talking to, I don't know who this is, maybe her son or maybe a nephew or something, but listen to this. Okay. Whenever you're fucking stressing about with a guy and he's not calling and then I don't know, do we continue? Are we not? Are we this? Are we that? And maybe blah, 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 blah. remember this. Okay. Here it is. So you know what I, this is what I learned in all these years on this earth. If somebody want to walk out of your life, let them go. Oh, preach. Especially if you know you done done everything you can do, you done sat around and been the best man or the best woman you can be, and they still want to go, let them go. Mm-hmm. Whatever they're running after, they'll see what they had in a minute, but by then it's going to be too late. Because you'll sit there and you'll go. Because half these people, you'll be sitting around crying about it, worry about two, three years from now, you ain't going to even remember their last name. Mm-hmm. How many times you'd have seen folks somewhere, you'd be like, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> there you go. So, uh, Medea Wisdom, right? What the hell was I thinking? You see them two, three years later, and here you are stressing out about this, that, and the other, and should I call, and should we be together, and blah, 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 blah. And I have to tell you this, boo-boos, is that uh, I, don't, I, don't, I know that people tell you that relationships are work and it's hard. No, no it's not. It, no, it shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be considered work. It shouldn't be that hard. And if it is, you're probably not with the right person. You're not with the right person. I just don't believe it should be hard. And... I mean, look, I've been with the same guy for a million years and I have to tell you, there's not a day where I've thought to myself, God, this is such hard work. Oh, such hard work. But you know, I got, I got to put in the work because it's a joy because I enjoy being in his orbit and I just, I like being in his presence and for whatever reason it works. So, but 
If they want to go, let them fucking go. Get out. There's a door, man. There's a door, bro. So I got an email from this guy. It's a kind of a long one. I don't want to, um, I'm not going to read it all, but she, the girl wants to see other people and he doesn't know what to do. Let her fucking go. Let her go. Let her bang whoever the fuck she wants to. You're young. You're 23. Here's the thing. Let, let them go. Let them see what's out there. Let them do their thing. Let her sow her oats and let her see what a failure that is. And then she may or may not come back. But you got to be willing to let it all go. That's the real secret of uh, fucking life, I think. <laughs> being able to walk, being able to be like, I don't need, no, I don't need this. Especially when it's bad, when you're in torture, when you're in agony. <gasps> Excuse me. When you're, when you're writing emails to people for, in podcasts about whether or not to be with somebody. Oh, torture. It's torture. And it's, you know, is it really worth it? I don't know. Of course not. Let him go, man. Boy, that is a good one. I really wish I would have heard that uh, 20 years ago when I was dating fools. Dating fools. And then you get all wrapped up in their drama. I don't know. But then one time he came over and he brought me a pizza and we watched television together. And it was so great. It was so great that one time. Remember that time that he was nice and acted normal? Remember I was talking about that in the beginning of this episode? Hoovering? Hoovering? Vacuuming? Just, what can I suck at? What can I... What can I fit? The fishing, the, the guy who maybe every now and then, or the girl who every now and then does something cool. But consistency, vey, that's the, that's the key, right? Consistency over time. That's the dictator of, of uh, future behavior is past behavior. So anyways, let them fucking go. I'm telling you. And I have to say too, just as a woman, the most attractive thing in a guy is when they're like, yeah, get the fuck out of go. <laughs> or in a girl, right? Is that so much more attractive instead of the clingy, like, but I love you. I need you. Because <sighs> what does that do? That's going to repel. Ugh, it's so gross. Because what's their core belief? I'm not good enough. I can't survive without you. But, right? We're talking about self-sabotaging and all that shit. Ugh, stay. I love you. Ugh. What are you going to do? You're going to run. You're going to run from that person. Desperado. So that's right. Let them, let them go to quote Medea. Let them go. I don't know why he has to dress up like a woman to say that stuff, but he does. He's good at it. Okay. Um, I'm going to do one more question and then I got I to gotta go do my Pilates today. I got to go pay the penance for eating like an asshole the last two weeks. Man, did I fall off the wagon hard, guys. <sighs> Went down to Gelson's, got me a box of mixed cookies. Oh, yeah. Kid's second birthday, chocolate cake, chocolate cake. Two cakes, of course, right? Whew. Tore it up. Spaghetti bolognese last night. Yeah, I did the carbs. I fucked the points last night. Fuck the points, to quote Joey Diaz. Okay. This guy says, uh, he's 39. Like I say where he's from. I recently found your podcast. My wife and I are huge fans. Thank you. Anyway, I've been in a lifelong struggle with myself about living my own life and not being a cog in a wheel. I'm a chronic job hopper thinking the next job is going to be better, but it's never, it never is. It's been a hopeless battle. I recently started turning my life around, trying to get my head and health straight. I recently started a business, but can't stay motivated. Being that I still work a 50 hour a week dead end job, I listen to a ton of self-help and motivational speakers, but after a while, it all sounds like the same bullshit. Some of it motivates me. Until I get home and I'm so beat from being in my head and working my soul-sucking job, I just want to hang out with my family. I probably sound whiny and need to suck it up, but I don't want to spend the second half of my life miserable and full of regret. If you could help, I would greatly appreciate. Okay. Yeah. Well, look, there's a few things, dude. I mean, yeah. First of all, good for you. Good for you that you've unplugged from the matrix. <laughs> That's number two on this show. Uh, hey, you're good enough. And number two, you live in the matrix. Did you know that? <laughs> and reality is definitely a construct 
uh, a lot of this stuff is bullshit and you can make and do your own thing. So, okay. You've been a job hopper thinking the next one's going to be better. It never is. Uh, why is that? And I don't, I don't mean that. To, I'm not saying that to criticize because I too was a chronic job hopper for four years before I became a comedian. And I understand the feeling tremendously more than you know. I hated having a boss. I personally um, could not understand why I would be contributing to helping somebody else get rich, richer. Um, and my priorities at the time were different. I was, you know, in my 20s, I did not have a family to think about spending time with. So there you go. That what is it about these gigs that's bumming you out? Is it the hours? Is it the commitment? Is it the, is it the actual content of what you're doing? What is it? What, what's the element that's causing the dissatisfaction and the hoppery? Um, it sounds to me like you want to be your own boss. You're, you're starting your own business, but you can't stay motivated. I don't know why though. Uh, it does sound like the same bullshit, these motivational speakers, cause they all say the same fucking bullshit. Yeah. Well, you're, you're working 50 hours a week and you're coming home and you're trying to do this next thing. And, um, that period of time when you're building your side gig and working your regular gig is hell is hell. And it can take years and no one tells you that, right? They just say, if you believe it, it can happen and just take the leap. Things will just show up. I can't tell you how many people I've seen make the mistake of like, I'm just going to quit my day job. And then in three months, I'm going to have my own company and I'll be making sick. It's like, dude, that's not really how it works. It's not how it works. It's a slower grind. It takes a lot of time and it takes a marathon. It's an endurance race. Okay. So if you're wired to be your own boss, now here's what I will say about this. If you're wired to be your own boss. Yeah, it's a grind. It's a marathon. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of stamina. 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 It takes a lot of self-motivation, um, discipline, a lot of being tired, and a lot of consistent. It takes more work than working a nine-to-five, just so you know. I don't know if people tell you that either. <laughs> being your own boss is a, a lot more work than having a boss. So I'm not saying it's better. I'm just saying it's an alternative to those of you who don't like to work um, for somebody else. Yeah, you start your own fucking thing. But but there's there's a price. There, what's that? You got to pay the cost to be the boss, like Rick Ross says. <laughs> so now here's the other uh, thing. It sounds to me like maybe you don't have the motivation to start your own company and have a family and do all these things. You're 39. So, you know, you're about to enter your forties and sometimes that's a young man's game starting a whole new thing. Okay. I'm not saying it necessarily is cause I, I also believe that age is, is uh, it's in the mind. I don't believe in, in, you know, Hey, you're 40, you have to do this now, but you know, there are certain biological factors to consider you don't have as much energy, you don't have as much fucks to give at 39 as you did at 20 about starting something new. So there's two, there's a decision you can make, which is A, do I want to put in the hustle, the grind, um, maybe taking about 10 years, five to 10 years to build something, maybe less, but let's say five. Okay, you're going to invest the next five years of grinding, real hard fucking core, hardcore guys, trying it out, uh, black guys, homeless, whatever you're grinding, dude. And, uh, that's just the nature of being your own boss and the grind never ends. And you might work more than 50 hours a week. Cause that's what you have to do to maintain once you are your own boss and it's constant stress and you're only, you're the one held accountable. And when you have employees to pay, then it gets even harder, blah, blah, blah. So you can take that road or you can take the other road, which is be an employee. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of the happiest days of my life before I became a full-time comedian uh, was I had a crummy little part-time job at a nonprofit organization. And it was, it was the happiest work environment I had ever been in. And I hated every job before, fucking hated them. But for some reason, this place, the people in it, the stuff I was doing meant something to me. I enjoyed it. I didn't mind answering phones or, or, you know, licking stamps, whatever the heck it was that a stamp licker. Come on, guys, grow up. Um, but I didn't mind 
Because I enjoyed the the whatever thing, the silly thing I was doing. It brought in enough money to keep my ass afloat. At the time, I was on Chelsea lately. And then I'd go the next day. I was, I was on TV that night. And then I'd go in the next day and work at this crummy nonprofit and this little part-time gig. But it kept me afloat and it fed me. And, and it, you know, it kept us in our shitty apartment in the Rampart Division. And that's what you do. So I'm saying it's not for everybody. It's, not, it's maybe not your personality type. Maybe it's just a matter of finding the right day job. Maybe it's a matter of reflecting on the ones that you haven't enjoyed. And why is that? Is it the content of what you're doing? Is it the people you surround yourself with? Is it the drive? Is it the, you know, the commute? Whatever, whatever it is, try to narrow it down and then find a nine to five that is a true nine to five. If you're working 50 hours a week and you don't enjoy that, do something else. Work less. Downsize your life. Figure out a way to not have to make so much money. It's all, it's all a trap, by the way. It doesn't matter. You make more, more money, more problems, bro. So now you, you make more money, you're just going to have a bigger mortgage, bigger overhead. It's, a, it's all a fucking trap. So you just got to figure out which devil you want to be in bed with. Do you want to be in the devil where you're, you know, it's just, it's just like the devil of being in the nine to five grind for somebody else or your own grind where the stakes are a little higher and, you know, there's no benefits and there's no holiday paid holidays, dude, you create that shit. So there's stress on every level and you just have to be cognizant of that. We're all, we're all cogs in the wheel, really. It's just a matter of which one of us wear sweatpants to work and who doesn't really. That's the only perk is that I get to sit here and you know, fucking Pilates pants and do this without makeup on. But it's still, you know, hey, you still got to put in time and energy. And But I, I chose this because it's what I love. And I love, I love doing this show and I love getting emails from you guys and all this. So, you know, hey, pick your poison, man. There's always a poison. Uh, it's fucking terrible that way. But yeah, maybe you're not the guy. And maybe trying to find all this false motivation, <laughs> maybe it's not for you. Or maybe the business you're starting doesn't light a fire in you. What are you doing? What are you trying to do? That's why they always tell you to go where you're passionate, right? Do it. Do what you're passionate about. It's because it's the only thing that's going to keep you going through the dark nights of the soul, through these, these times of, I don't know if I can do this, which th- that happens too when you're doing things you love. You don't think I wanted to quit stand-up comedy about 5 million times in the last 15 years? Yes, of course. But then something inside of me enjoyed it so much, so much. So it was a sickness inside of me that I had to get up and try it again because I wanted to master it and I wanted to get better. I wanted to do it. So find something that you're so stoked about that, yeah, you're going to fail at and don't be afraid of failing at it over and over and over or don't. And there's no shame in not trying to be, not everybody's supposed to be fucking Warren Buffett. And, and by the way, who knows what his life was about? Who knows what, what any of these guys, because Americans love to fetishize high achievers. That's our big thing. Everybody should be a multimillionaire, right? People don't tell you the other side of that is that you don't know what their lives are like. You have no idea if they were happy, if not, um, how, many, how many of them suffer from workaholism. Workaholic? Workaholism? I don't know if that's the right way. Most of them are workaholics, miserable, cunts, no marriages, poor family life. So it's all a trade-off. It's, it's all about weighing what's important to you. Is it more money? Do you really need more money or do you need more time? So find the gig that gives you the time. Find the thing that gives you your priority. For me, I knew I did not want to fucking, I didn't like being told what to do. I didn't like showing up at a certain time every day. To me, those were like, I just didn't, I didn't like, and I didn't believe in anything I was fucking doing ever. I, I couldn't, I could not get behind corporate mantra. That was just me personally. So that's my personality. Figure out what you don't like and then correct it. All right. And then write back to me when you're happier because you've done the thing in your life that makes you happy. Because you're going to fucking drop dead anyways, guys. You may as well do what you like. Jesus fucking Christ. All right. I got to go. Uh, but have a great New Year's, and I will talk to you then. Email me. That's Podcast at gmail.com. And, um, okay, let's do this again, guys. Okay, be good. Be well. Now what? 
don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with It's Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.